Welcome to the PSRB Lawcast from the offices of Pellegrini, Sealy, Ryan, and Blakesley. Each episode, we bring you information about the various aspects of personal injury law. And we understand that, that approaching a law firm to help you can be intimidating. And that's why this podcast is designed to make personal injury law a little bit easier to understand and to help you navigate the processes with some greater comfort. Remember, every case is different, and in order for us to provide you with accurate information and advice relevant to your specific circumstance, it's important to set up an appointment with one of our attorneys to meet in person, and the information presented today is for general information purposes only. Today, we're talking to Michael Carteropoli. Mike's a partner at the law firm. His practice is concentrated in the areas of workers' compensation, personal injury, and social security administration law. Attorney Carteropoli is licensed in state and federal courts in Massachusetts and before the Massachusetts Department of Industrial Accidents and the Social Security Administration. Mike served as the vice chair of the Massachusetts Bar Association Workers' Compensation Subcommittee, where he routinely worked with attorneys and judges and court administrators throughout the Commonwealth dealing with complex legal and administrative issues. Mike got his bachelor's degree in business from American International College and his Juris Doctorate from Western New England University School of Law. Mike has served on the faculty of the Massachusetts Continuing Legal Education Workers' Compensation Committee and in 2014 authored the Massachusetts Workers' Compensation Practice Guide. He's a member of the Mass Bar Association, the Hamden County Bar Association, and the Massachusetts Academy of Trial Lawyers. Mike Carteropoli, how are you? Good, Adam. Thanks for having me. You know, we really wanted to talk a little bit today about workers' compensation. I know it's a term that a lot of people have, have heard before, and people may not know what it means. And if you get injured at work, there are a lot of different uh, areas that you need to make sure you're covering in order to collect workers' compensation. So why don't we start with just a really basic outline. What's workers' compensation? Well, workers' compensation is a lot of things. Um it encompasses not just injuries that occur in the workplace, but essentially any injury, whether it's physical or emotional, that something at work caused. Okay. And, and if you're injured at work, and we said there's many different ways, obviously, to get injured at work, what's the first thing that you do? Excellent question. Many times people come to us months and months after an injury. And let me give you an example of something that, they, that we see all the time. Someone gets hurt at work, they're pulling something, lifting a box, they feel a tweak in their back. It's bothering them throughout the day, it starts bothering them more and more. By the end of their shift, it's really bothering them. They tell their boss and their boss says something like, well, you know, no need to complete a report or, or anything like that. Why don't you see how you feel and, you know, sleep it off and come in the next day and, and we'll go from there. Next day, the person comes in feeling pretty much the same or worse, still back bothering them, hurting them quite a bit talks to their boss and their boss kind of, you know, brushes them off, you know, time and time goes by and months later it becomes a serious issue. And they go back to their boss and said something like, Hey, remember when I hurt my back a couple months ago, I really want to get, see a doctor and I want to put some, you know, put something in through workers comp. And that's the, the quintessential situation where we see the boss says, no, I don't remember this happening or, um, no, we never talked about this. And so one of the things that we tell our clients to do whenever they feel like they have any kind of injury at work is to complete some type of accident report or injury report. And it doesn't have to be anything complicated, anything sophisticated. It doesn't have to be anything legal. They can simply put down on a piece of paper, an email, anything. 
hey, my name is Joe Smith. On May 3rd, I hurt my back lifting a box. Simple as that. Keep a copy if you can, but make sure you document it. No one can say that it never happened if you have something that documents it. And I would think also if, if you're feeling like you may have injured yourself, it probably is a good idea to, to get a doctor's opinion or go to a nurse practitioner or something like that. Absolutely, Adam. And there's a couple reasons why you want to do that. First, if you're in pain, you think you may have hurt something. Even if you think it might be something that'll get better over a you know short period of time, you're going to want to check it out just to make sure you're okay. You never really know. But the other reason is, is to, it goes back to the accident report, is to document things. If you hurt your back and you go see that doctor that day or the next day, whether it's your primary care, an urgent care facility, or even the emergency room if the situation is, is that extraordinary. If you do that and you see the doctor, you see a nurse, you see someone there, and you tell them what happened, you tell them where it happened, tell them when it happened, if it becomes an issue months later, you now have that, that record that you can show that something actually happened. That makes our job a lot easier in terms of proving these injuries occurred when we're in court. And that's really what it's about, right, is you have to demonstrate that this injury occurred on the job. Absolutely. A lot of people don't know, but it's the employee's burden of proof all the time in every case. What that means is that no matter what happened, no matter what type of injury, how bad it was, the employee always has to prove that they had an injury at work and that that injury is causing some type of problem and they need treatment or time out of work for that. It's always the employee's burden to prove that. And some larger corporations uh and facilities, they have in-house nurses or in-house doctors. you suggest going to one of them or do you go to your own physician? That's a great question. Many employers are going to require you to do that. If your employer requires you to see one of their in-house doctors or in-house nurses, then my recommendation would be to go and see that person. Just, you know, you don't want to make it seem like you're not willing to get seen or you're, you know, you're trying to avoid the company doctor. But don't take their opinion only. Make sure you go see your own doctor. And a lot, people do have the right to choose their own doctors. But if your employer has a contract with an occupational health facility, they can require you to go to that appointment for the very first appointment. But that doesn't stop you from day later, a week later, seeing your own doctor or choosing a doctor to have your care transferred to. What about, um, I mean, we've talked about documenting treatment. And I'm assuming that's not just obviously writing your own notes, but it's also getting copies of whatever medical professional you see, what their recommendations are, what their analysis of your injury is. Um, what, what problems come from avoiding medical treatment? Well, a lot of problems. First and foremost, if you have a, a medical condition, even if you don't think it's too serious, but you have some sort of injury there underlying, and um, it's something that you don't seek treatment for and don't try to um, you know, make better, then over time, it could come, become a much more serious issue. You know, it's easy if you have a broken bone, everybody knows they need to go to the emergency room, they need to get a cast, they, you know, maybe need surgery. But sometimes these little tweaks and muscle aches you have, um, you think a couple of Tylenol and, and a good night's sleep is going to get rid of it. But, you know, it's better, better safe than sorry. Better get it, better to get it checked out, have someone look at it. And, you know, maybe they'll, they'll say you need some physical therapy, maybe some medication, maybe some time off of work. And if the doctor does suggest either time off of work or maybe even doing some kind of late duty position, make sure you get some type of note in writing from the doctor's office so you can give it to your employer and you could also give it to your attorney if you, if you end up having one. And it's also really important to, to document the exact time this happened, right? 
Absolutely. Yeah. If it's something that everybody saw, um, you know, you fell and you, you know, again, you broke your arm, the ambulance came and everything. That's most of the time, that's not going to be an issue documenting that. But, you know, in the course of the day, let's say you're, you're working, um, you're a truck driver and you get to, you know, you, you unload your, your truck at six different stops. You may not even remember which stop you tweet your back at. Mm-hmm. So it's very important to make sure you document these things. Even at the end of the day, something like, hey, um, a quick action report saying, you know, during the course of today while lifting, I've experienced pain. Something that simple could make the, a world's difference. Isn't it also because documenting exactly when something happens will be used later to determine your first day of disability? Oh, certainly. Yeah, a lot. Mostly everything is tracked on what we call the date of injury. And that, that's, you know, how the insurance companies set their files. That's how the court tracks cases oftentimes. So that, that's an, a very important date. Sometimes what will happen is you'll feel pain. And because you don't do anything about it, you don't see a doctor right away. You don't document it right away. A week later, when it really starts to bother you, you're thinking to yourself, oh, man, was it Tuesday that happened? Was it Wednesday? I mean, I had situations where somebody, you know, really believes it happened on a particular day. And it turns out, you know, months later when they get their schedule that they were actually on vacation that day. That can that can cause some issues. At what point do you talk to a lawyer? Really at any point. I mean, there's no, there's no harm in seeing, in seeing somebody or talking to somebody right off the bat if something happens to you. You can, you know, you can give us a call. There's, there's plenty of lawyers here that'll be happy to talk to you on the phone. If you have a question, just call a five or 10 minute conversation might lead to us saying, hey, these are some things to look out for. These are some things to do, but don't worry. Call me if something else happens. You know, call me if something more serious happens or call me if you end up being out longer. Sometimes it's more of a serious situation and there's an issue that we're, we think that there's there. Yeah. And we want that person to, to come in and sit down with us and go over everything. And, and when you go to see the attorney, I would think bring every piece of documenting information that you have. Bring, bring whatever you got. We'll sift through it. We'll sort through it. Whatever's relevant, we'll take, take a copy of. Whatever's not relevant, we'll just give right back to you. Um, it's better to have more than not enough. And when you're documenting stuff, how important is getting uh, witness statements, people that you're working with that see an injury happening? Well, that's only necessary if it's some kind of situation where the employer at some point later on down the road says they don't think the injury ever happened. They think, you know, we think you might've had, you know, were injured playing softball or you could have, you know, got hurt lifting, lifting up your kid. It, that's the only time we ever use witness statements. So if, if there is a witness that's willing to put their name down, then it, there's no harm in taking it, take it every single time. But if it's something that's clear and you documented it with an accident report, you went and saw a doctor right away, a witness statement isn't extremely important. I, you know, I think a lot of people are probably nervous sometimes about making a workers' compensation claim, or even just saying they got injured for fear of reprisals from their employer. Can can an employer fire you or penalize you for making a claim? No, an employer cannot fire you. They can't. And in fact, there's anti-retaliation measures in the workers' compensation law that says employers can't do that. One thing to keep in mind, though, Adam, is by giving us a call and going over your situation with us, many times that doesn't lead to us being involved right away formally. Sometimes we can just talk to you and guide you through the process and give you some advice and say, watch out for this. Or if they talk to you about this, run it by me. So we don't always get involved formally right away. We might just give you some advice early on. So if you're hesitant, if, if say, for example, you're, you're nervous about letting your employer know that you went to see a lawyer, that, that's not something that has to be formally made known to the employer right away. We can have a, you know, an informal conversation about things. And I know that uh, we talked about going to see a doctor and, and being able to choose your own doctor, but 
One of the things that, that may happen is that if you file a workers' compensation claim, you may be subjected to what's called an IME or an independent medical exam. Can you explain a little bit about what that is? Sure. That, that's going to happen in almost in most cases out there. And people get tricked a little bit when they see the notice because it says, here, we've scheduled an independent medical examination. Those examinations are anything but independent. These are hired guns that the insurance company chooses and pays a lot of money to write a report. And, you know, most of the time, these doctors will rep- write reports that are more, much more favorable to the insurance company than to, to you or to your case. And so an attorney can help actually get their own IME with somebody that that they trust um, that can examine you, read the records and give what we think is a much more independent opinion. Um, But also there's nothing you can't say too much about getting opinions from your own doctors. And we find that the best way to do that is to be consistent with what you tell your doctors right from the beginning. Make sure you see that doctor from day one and say, a couple, even a couple weeks ago, I don't remember the day, but a couple weeks ago, I was lifting boxes and I felt pain in my back. Make sure you're very specific about what happened and where and when to the best extent you can. And I find that most of the time, if people are consistent with their doctors and they've created a, a consistent record of everything, later on, if they need their doctor to back them up and support them with some kind of letter or something like that, they will. How are these claims adjudicated? Who makes the decision whether or not you're injured enough to collect? Well, in workers' compensation law, we're lucky enough to have an administrative agency called the Department of Industrial Accidents that does nothing but workers' comp. And so what what you get with that is you get administrative judges that hear these cases and don't hear any other type of case. And most of the time, very often, it's, it's judges that have practiced in the workers' compensation field previously to becoming a judge and so these are these are judges that do workers comp all day every day and so they're very familiar with the issues with the law they're you know they're very familiar with most of the attorneys and they they're they're the ones who decide all these matters mike how did you get an interest in workers compensation law how why is this something that you decided to pursue that's a that's an interesting question i as a kid my father was uh was a union guy he was he was an electrician and um he was very involved in, in his union um, throughout his life. And, you know, from an early age, I used to listen to his stories and I'd be hearing them talk about, you know, standing up for workers' rights and protecting one another. Um, and I also saw him go through a pretty serious work injury myself um, when I was in college. Um, and I, I always kind of wanted to do something, you know, along those lines. But I realized early on that you know, manual labor wasn't really my thing. So if I was going to do anything for, inju- for, for workers, it was going to have to be from, you know, with a suit and tie on. So that's how I ended up kind of doing this. And you have to be, I would think you have to be a little bit like any kind of field of law. You're a little bit of a counselor. You're a little bit of a. Yeah. I mean, in these cases, these, these are situations where people are coming to us sometimes in the worst part, part of their life. Yeah. You know, it, we've had serious injuries where people have lost limbs where people have lost the ability to walk. But we also had injuries where, you know, somebody can tear something in their shoulder or knee, which is not going to end, end their life or, or change your life drastically. But it, it's it's a time where they're, you know, they're either out of work and making no money from workers' comp and they need someone to help them get it. Or even if they're getting workers' comp, they're getting less money. And it's a situation that no one really wants to be in. It's no fun being a workers' comp. And so you got to, you know, you got to understand that and appreciate that. And, you know, understand that you're dealing with people that are in a really tough spot, maybe one of the tougher spots in their life. So you got to be there for them. And someone told me early on, one of my first weeks here, that 
you know, it doesn't doesn't matter necessarily, you know, what school you went to or what your grades were. If you care about the people you represent, you'll do a good job. How long does the process take potentially in terms of determining a workers' compensation claim? In terms of getting benefits, there there are some rules that come into play very quickly. There is a certain period of time that an employer has to notify the insurance company if somebody gets hurt and is out of work. There's a certain period of time the insurance company has to decide whether they're going to make payments or not. And there's a lot of other timeframes in the workers' comp law. But the big picture is that, you know, these cases depend a lot about your injury. So somebody with a broken finger and someone who lost an arm in an accident, they're going to have two completely different cases. One's going to be probably pretty quick. One may be maybe for life. And so it really should depend on the person's medical picture. Can they force you to go back to do a different job than what you had? So let's say, for example, you know, you're driving that truck and you've, you've hurt your back and you can't drive a truck anymore, but maybe you could do some other kind of job around the warehouse, you know, an inventory job or, or something. Can they force you to do another type of work? That's something you have to be very careful about, Adam. If your doctor at some point says that you could return to work and do something, in a lighter capacity, which is many times the case. I mean, sooner or later, you know, depending on the, the severity of the injury, the doctor may say, okay, you've been out for a while. Why don't you try doing something lighter? If the doctor does that and the employer is willing to accommodate you in what we call a light duty position, then you can't refuse that. If you refuse that, it's very unlikely a judge is going to order the insurance company to pay for benefits. What I usually tell my clients, a couple things. One is make sure you get very specific, detailed instructions from your doctor as to what you can and cannot do in writing. Make sure you have that in writing. Give that to your employer. Then ask the employer for a written job description, not just, hey, Jim, come back in. We'll find something for you to do. No, what is it that I'm going to actually be, be doing? And then maybe even show that to your doctor. And then give it a try. Do it for a week or two, for as long as you can. And then, you know, depending on how things go, you can either continue doing the job Or if you're in too much pain, go back and see your doctor. And and the doctor most of the time will take you back out of work and we can easily reopen your your case. So it's a really flexible situation. It is. And I would think the more flexible the employee is, the better it is for the employee in the long run. Well, many times in these cases, you end up in court at some point and and you're going to be standing up there with your lawyer and your lawyer is going to be arguing the case to a judge. And he's going to be trying to convince the judge that this is a a good, hardworking person that's trying to deal with an injury, trying to deal with pain and doing the best they can. It's much easier to do that if you can paint a picture of someone who's trying to do all the right things, trying to go back to work. And most of the time, you know, I find that people will want to, to, to give it a shot, but you have to be very careful about employers trying to get you back to work under false pretenses. Sometimes they'll try to get you back to work, try to get you to your doctor, lift restrictions completely, even when it's not appropriate. And then they may let you go or find some other reason, even though it's not because of the workers' comp case, you know, if, you, if you're, you know, two minutes late from a lunch break or something. But if that happens, there's protection in the law that um, will help us to prove that it was actually the, the work injury that caused them to, to let you go. So, and conversely, we want to make sure that, that people who are filing a workers' comp claim also don't commit fraud and are very honest with their medical situation and with their attorney and their doctors. Oh, of course. We, our reputation is extremely important. Like I said a few minutes ago, we're in front of these judges all the time, and there's only a few judges in each district. And so they get to know the attorneys very, very well. 
you could have two, three, four cases in front of the same judge. I had two already in front of the same judge today. If that, if you lose credibility with the judges, that's going to not only hurt your practice, but it's also going to hurt all your clients um, because you know a lot of these cases can go either way. And so, reputation of the lawyer, reputation of the client is important. So you really want to make sure the, the attorney and the client need to trust each other. Need to believe that I need to believe that you're telling me the truth that if you're in pain you're being honest about it if you can't if you feel like you can't work you're being honest about it you need to feel the same way about me that I'm doing everything I can to be upfront honest and you know fighting for you in a you know in the right way we have offices throughout the state of course we work with people all throughout the state uh, there are different districts that handle workers compensation claims right there's five districts throughout the Commonwealth of Massachusetts um, there's one in Springfield one in Worcester one in Boston, one in Lawrence, and one in Fall River. So depending on where you live, it all gets drawn up with a map, and, and they, they split up the territories. But it, it could be a, a you know somewhat far of a, of a drive for someone to have to go to court, but, but usually not too, too bad. I know one of the things that, that people who are injured often are concerned about is the cost of going to a lawyer. Is there any cost to hire an attorney to handle a workers' compensation claim? Another great question. One people ask us all the time, they're hesitant to come to us because many situations they're either getting no money or getting less money and they feel like they can't afford an attorney. You don't have to pay anything for a lawyer in Massachusetts. The, the law spells out exactly how lawyers get paid. And it's really two ways. One is if we have to go to court and fight for you for anything at any time, if we're successful in getting that benefit for you, whether it's money, medical care, what have you, the insurance company for the workers, for the employer has to pay us for our time. You never do. If we lose, nobody pays us. The only time anything really comes out of the employee's pocket, Adam, is if the case is going on for a while in litigation and at some point there's a settlement. If there's a settlement, the law says that we can only charge up to 20% plus our expenses. So if you call me one time or a thousand times, you're never going to get billed by the hour. You never write me a check or give me cash or anything like that. And that 20% comes out of the settlement. It doesn't come necessarily. You don't have to pay out of your pocket. It would only come out of the settlement, correct. One of the things we've talked about before uh, on some videos that we've done, and, and I think we're going to dedicate an entire uh, podcast episode to this, is surveillance. Uh, the insurance company wants to disprove a claim, and they potentially could hire a private investigator to follow someone to make sure that if they say they're injured, they're not out, you know, uh, planting rose gardens or waxing their boat and, and taking it out on a trailer on a Sunday. And unfortunately, Adam, it's not just potentially, it's, it's very, very, very likely. Insurance companies are going to try to find ways, whatever it is, whether it's hiring their own doctor, surveillance, what have you, trying to find ways to pay out less money in claims. And so anything they can find on video of you that's and in any way, shape, or form, inconsistent with something that you're saying. If you're saying your your back is bothering you and you're gardening or you're picking up your kid, whatever it is, they're going to try to use that against you. In fact, I, before doing this, I was an adjuster for years um, working for an insurance company. I was the guy denying people's claims, and I put surveillance on almost everybody just so I can say I did for the file, but also to use that as a tool later on when I'm trying to get somebody off benefits or trying to settle for a much lower amount than, than they want. I'm going to use that against them. So be very mindful of yeah. that. Um, one of the uh, one of the senior partners when when I first started here would 
14, 15 years ago would sit me in on some of the meetings with the clients for the very first time. And he had a saying about him. It was Don Blakesley. Um, he would always tell the people, if you, if you buy a six pack of beer, I want you carrying them in one can at a time from your car. And that stuck with me for always. And I use that with clients now. And, and it's, it's, it's funny and it's humorous, but, but they get, kind of get, they get the point. Yeah, it's important. I mean, and, and this goes back to, to the fraud situation and, and making sure that you're being honest, not just with your attorney, but being honest with yourself and making sure that you really are injured. And if you are, be injured. Absolutely. And, and, and it's not just the insurance company looking to, to hope to catch you working. It's the insurance company just watching you do day to day things. Exactly. Going to Dunkin' Donuts, uh, Big Y, grabbing, you know, holding grocery bags, whatever it is. There, anything that you're doing that's inconsistent with some of your allegations, they're going to try to show that you're not as bad as you say you are. It's great advice. And uh, I think that this has been a very helpful information session for people who are really wondering how to go about filing a claim and if, in fact, they need to file a claim. And I think it's it's great to note that if you're unsure or you have any questions, give us, give us a call because it's just a few minutes on the phone to help you get a sense of whether or not that there is something to pursue. And we'll have you come in and have a meeting and it doesn't cost you anything, but it's great to have some peace of mind. Absolutely. Yeah. That's another episode of PSRB LawCast. I'm Adam Wright. We're so very pleased to have you on board. Thanks again, Mike Carteropoli, for spending some time with us. Some really great information here, and we hope that you will continue to listen to our podcasts. Of course, if you have any questions, please contact us anytime at 1-800-785-5399 or visit our website at psrblaw.com.